This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. And welcome everybody to episode 31 of the Animaniacast. May I? Of course. Oh, darling, I love you with all my heart and soul. Unfortunately, you're too heavy to hold. You and I will live in splendid bliss. Now give me a big kiss. Get out of my life! You shouldn't go breaking people's windows. Welcome once again to the Animaniacast. We are the podcast that is dedicated to the animated television series, The Animaniacs. Each and every week, we revisit a new episode of the series, discussing all the cultural references, all the gags, all the whatevers we can think of. And in the end, we give each and every episode a Water Tower rating. I am Joey, and joining me as always is my brother Nathan. Only I can prevent forest fires. <laughs> <laughs> and across the country in Georgia is Kelly. Hello. Hello. So mm. is that from, what, what? where are you pulling that slogan from, Nathan? Uh, Smokey the Bear told me. Oh, so, so, <laughs> the animated catchphrase is, is from a different... Uh, a corporate, or not a corporate well, bear. Well, I but... was watching TV. Oh. And... I found out that I can prevent forest oh, fires. Well, only okay. me, though. Well, when he says only you, I think he's talking to all of us. No, I was the only one in the room, so... Oh, okay. Well, I, I am mistaken, then. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that information. Uh, well, this today's episode is episode 31. Um, it's, it has three uh, different segments in it. We have mm-hmm. Old Silly Mio, putting on the Blitz... And the great Wakarati once again returns with a summer concert. And uh, Nathan, when did this episode first premiere? On Day of the Dead. Ooh. It was November 1st, 1993. Yeah. Uh, Tupac was just charged for aggravated assault. Uh, the charges were, of course, later dropped. <laughs> and uh, The Simpsons had just aired their fourth Treehouse of Terror episode, which had the Homer selling his soul, Bart... Uh, saved a school bus, and they all fought Dracula, which is kind of similar to what Animaniacs did for Halloween, too. Oh, true. The Simpsons were fighting uh, Mr. Burns as mm-hmm. Dracula, I guess, in that one. Okay. So, just to get your mind set in that year. <laughs> I remember I remember that episode of The Simpsons. It's a very good one. <laughs> I don't know about the Tupac charges, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but that happened on Halloween. Weird, right? Sure. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, so, what do you guys think about today's episode in a few words? Uh, Kelly? Um, I, I liked it okay. <laughs> liked it okay? And Nathan, what yeah. about you? Uh, it was pretty cultured. You got some uh, operas and history and opera, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, so we... we, we, tr- we... I, I agree with that. Yeah, the, I guess that was the one thing that was joining the different segments in a way. Yeah. I don't know if this would be on the top of my list of Animaniacs episodes yeah. to recommend to people, but we'll we'll talk about it and we'll see. We'll see what how many water Maybe powers your mind is. will change by the end. Maybe it will. <laughs> well, 
Well, let's go ahead and get, first of all, right into uh, the first uh, quick little segment. We had a mime time. Woo! It's mime time. And in this mime time, it was <laughs> it was gathering imaginary flowers. And the mime gathers a bunch of imaginary flowers. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, bees come out of nowhere in a giant swarm and, and chase them away. It, you know. Yeah, cute thing. I I did like one uh, cool thing on this. I thought the bees themselves looked really cool. How they turned into a smile and mm-hmm. kind of a mouth, and then chased after him. Um, but I can't really. Think yeah, of it was any... kind of like the Finding Nemo fishes or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. like the School of Fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can't really think of anything else that I really. It was such a short little segment. I can't yeah. really think of much more to say about that. Can you guys? Nope. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's move right into Oh Silly Mio then, because Oh Silly Mio is our first segment. Oh Silly Mio was written by Randy Rogel and Paul Rugg. So Randy Rogel, who, you know, does much of the music in this one, actually had a part in writing this. Hmm. Um, and then it was directed by Gary Hartle, Adu Payden, and Dave Marshall. Ooh, Gary Marshall. Adu Mar. That's a that's an interesting name by the the middle director there. Adu Paden. I don't know how to Paden. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> must be French, and I don't. Yeah. Know. Forgive my French. <laughs> but Nathan, what basically happens right here in Oh Silly Mio? So the cartoon opens with a an opera operatic singer, and she sings so high pitched, I guess, that she breaks glass, mm-hmm. and she ends up breaking the Warner's stained glass window which of course they have yes and uh she won't stop singing so loudly so they kind of get their revenge on her and uh make her wish that she had not sung so loudly (laughs) so they uh interrupt her show uh multiple times and uh it's pretty much it they they she ends up falling to the center of the earth i guess uh or something right to the (laughs) Yeah, at the end, like a giant, what happens? A giant tree mm-hmm. falls on her. And yeah, just she's pushes. catching all the flowers and everything, and then she catches trees, and and then it just and they put a little cherry on top or something, and and just forces her down through mm-hmm. the floor. The end. <laughs> well, there's a uh, there's not too many reference on this on this one. I mean, the the major yeah. ones are the title. First of all, Osili Mio is a reference to uh, the 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 world famous Neapolitan song. By Giovanni Capuro, O Sol, O Sole Mio, Solo, O Sole Mio. You know, we all know that, right? It's in, it's in numerous commercials throughout the years. That's all I really know about it. Um, and of course, they're doing a lot of songs from the the opera Carmen, which I'm more familiar with. Carmen, I've never seen it performed live, but I do know of uh, Spike Jones and the City Slickers parroting it back in the 1940s and i would have like all these old i have all all these cds of spike jones who is like the original weird al yankovic from the 1940s and uh he would release these spike jones as murdering the classics albums back in the 40s and one of them was carmen and it was just the the story of carmen we hear the band in the distance Oh, 
Don Schmose sees Carmen for the first time. She is crying. The tears are running down her ears. You see, her eyes are very far apart. He feels sorry for her and asks her to marry him as he sings. As he sings. <clears throat> I say, as he sings. Now, you bonehead. Carmen, darling, please marry me. Oh, be my little bumblebee. You're the honey that'll sweeten our lives. Instead of children, we'll both have hives. They'll both have hives. That's all I really know from Carmen. But I learned about <laughs> the plot from that. But uh, let's see. It's also parroting or referencing a classic Bugs Bunny cartoon, uh, Long Haired Hair. Uh, where he goes to make fun of an opera singer. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know, either of you remember this one, but there's a part where Bugs Bunny is conducting him at the very end, mm, I remember and this. he's holding his hand up in the air. And he's just kind of shaking it, and then he takes off his glove, and yeah, and the glove's still there in Until, the air. Yeah, and the opera singer turns red, and like stuff in the building crashes on him, I believe, or something like that. It's a good cartoon. It's yeah, funny. it was a very funny one. <laughs> And, uh, you know, there's that part where Dot is selling stuff in the opera house. Get your hot dogs! Ice cold hot dogs! And it's very similar to the Marx Brothers uh, selling stuff in the movie uh, Night at the Opera. There you go. Those are our three, four references right there. <laughs> not much to not much to talk about. But other than that, let's talk about any of the favorite moments that we might have and all that. Uh, Kelly, what are some parts in this that you that stood out to you? Things that you liked? I like the stained glass window. Mm-hmm. I like the the look of it. It was it was a really fun window. <laughs> and I liked when the Warner Brothers asked the singer if she was torturing a clown. You pests again! What are you doing? Torturing a clown? And Gunther, the pianist. Good night, everybody. He he kept breaking his glasses, and he fell out the window, and then the piano fell on top of him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you just felt so sorry for him. Yeah, I did feel and sorry. Then, <laughs> and then. Um, after the the opera singer really got mad at them, they they said, "Of course, you know this means Warner's." Oh yes, yeah, that was a good callback, almost to the uh, King Yakko or something. Right? Yeah, which of course is a callback to you know Bugs Bunny used to mm-hmm. say, "Of course, you know this means war." Yeah, a lot. So. so yes, I did like that part a lot. Yeah, and then um, when he was uh, singing the song with the the singer, and he told her that she was too heavy to hold, <laughs> into the tune <laughs> of the music, not very nice. But yes. It was it was still kind of funny. Yes, mm-hmm. not PC, but very funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, because, well, you know, she was annoying them, and so he, That's wasn't, true. he wasn't being nice. <laughs> she started it. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Nathan, what about you? Um, I liked when she got stuck in the drum. I thought oh. that was really funny. <laughs> and yeah, they had bigger, bigger, bigger. Then, I, yeah, I don't know what, what, gosh, Wacko was doing kind of like a 
when he got that big mm-hmm. giant mallet, he just got into this do 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 like just shuffling off like a mm-hmm. a jazzy kind of beatnik guy. And for the life of me, I I know that's like it has to be referenced to some other cartoon or real life person, something like that. I'm assuming it's some jazzy drummer or something. But that looked re- that looked too familiar. Like I've seen yeah. somebody do that before. I bet someone listening probably knows. Maybe what. if you know, <laughs> let us know because I'm I'm curious to what that what Wacko might be moving to like that. Anything? The else? only thing it reminded me of was the the West Side Pigeons when they were kind of you know snapping their fingers and which was of course a play on West Side Story. Yeah, it kind of it kind of reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, I liked when Dot appeared in the piano and I thought it was just really funny. Couldn't you just keep the noise down a little bit? Noise? You dare refer to the great Madame Brundwin's voice as noise? Uh huh. I don't know why I thought it was so funny. Uh, this, yeah, she was. The delivery on that was just. Yeah, and <laughs> I think we. By the way, the the stained glass window of weed weed Memlo. Yeah, is that like, an actual director? Or? No, I think okay. it's it's. Uh, some people have been saying that it's a, a reference to actually a a real um uh, director, uh, which maybe maybe not i i don't i don't really know but i think that his name is actually uh on some of the posters that are on the the warner brothers tower you know like in some of the earlier episodes where they show inside the tower mm. and they show all these like posters from their previous uh cartoons i'm pretty sure you could see weed memlo's name uh on the bottom of those uh, hmm. so directed by weed memlo and uh, it looks like we will be seeing Weed Memlo uh, appear in uh, in about uh, twenty seven episodes or so. <laughs> so stay tuned. I think it's episode fifty nine. I want to say that that Weed Memlo actually makes his appearance on the actual show. So there hmm. we go. Well, I'll look forward to that. <laughs> but overall, I mean, it was it was pretty good to me. It was just a it it was a nice episode, but it kind of felt a little. I don't know, just a little too repetitive of previous ones that we've seen, like yeah. with the Timpanini, and uh, it, I mean, there was and there was there were a few parts that were brand new to us. Like, I did like the Warners when they held out their tongues with all the food on mm-hmm. it and just hold them out, and, and, then, just, and the and then apparently she must have thrown she, up. She throws up, <laughs> and it sounds just like a water balloon hits yeah. the floor, and everyone goes. Ugh. But I will give it to I will give this uh, her credit. She continued to sing right, right? after that. Yeah, she went right I don't know how she came back from and that. And the audience didn't seem to care too much because they're still throwing roses at her at the end and everything. <laughs> She's that good of a singer. Actually, she is a very good singer. The, the mm-hmm. woman who did the uh, voice... Or well, I think Tress McNeil uh, did the yes. Tress McNeil did the talking voice uh, right here, but uh, it was uh, Wendy Knudsen did Madame Bruntwin's singing voice, and Wendy Knudsen did uh, uh, Marita's uh, singing voice in the previous oh. uh, Hip Hippos one. The, okay. Oh gosh, now I'm forgetting the the name of that. The movie. Hip Hippos. <laughs> the one where the, the the giraffe gets fired. That one. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was cool. I did like how I did like the the the, the singing in it was very nice. I did like that. It just felt a little repetitive, mm-hmm. just like we've seen this before. And and it was it was a nice cartoon. It just wasn't one of the best Warner cartoons, in my opinion. But yeah. Anyway, 
Well, any other car- any other uh, thoughts on this first cartoon of uh, today's episode? I, I like that they asked her to stop first before they tormented her. They but... did ask her nicely. Yeah, we got to give them credit. And they even tried fixing the glass on their own and everything. Like, <laughs> uh, well, let's go ahead and move move on then to our next cartoon, which is another Rita and Runt cartoon called Putin on the Blitz. And Putting on the Blitz was a story by Tom Ruger and Nicholas Hollander. It was written by Nicholas Hollander, and it was directed by Greg Reyna. And Kelly, what happens in uh, Putting on the Blitz? Putting on the Blitz is a particularly dramatic episode yes. of uh, with Rita and Runt. And it takes place during World War II, so we're time traveling. And the Third Reich is involved, invading Poland. And Rita and Runt come across this little girl, Katrina, and her father is the leader of the resistance, and the Germans are looking for him. And he sends her on her way, and he's like, I'll, you know, here's the train ticket, uh, you know, come find me. And he, they separate in order to, to try to protect her, and Rita is just so angry that he's left his little girl and, and can't believe it. <laughs> but um, they... they set off on this mission to try to help Katrina find her father and uh it's it's very cinematic it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's very Spielbergian how <laughs> <laughs> Spielbergian you know obviously you know because of Spielberg it, it brought to mind you know scenes from um you know Schindler's List a little girl in a coat and mm-hmm. um and uh, you know, separated from her family, and then also uh, even Indiana Jones, set also kind of during this time period, uh, loosely. And and the Germans were only shown in their their boots, right? So you didn't see them, you know, above the boots. And it reminded me when Henry Jones Senior talks about goose stepping morons <laughs> such as yourself and Indiana Jones <laughs> in the Last Crusade, and because um, they you know they clap their boots together very smartly and standing at attention and but but they you never saw their face and which made them i don't know i guess more villainous in a way yeah i agree i mean it was it was supposed to be uh obviously you have to focus on waste and the characters that are waist down in mm-hmm. this one mostly right except for Even, the dad yeah the dad is the only but he's one so short <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> but uh i think another reason why uh you'll see a lot of cartoons especially not show Nazis from the waist up is because then you have to usually show the the swastika on yeah. the on the arm and everything like that. And depending on where you are in the world, that could make it so that your cartoon doesn't get shown. Mm. Um, I know that Germany, for example, is very sensitive when it comes to any of that. Uh, so, and even in like a, the when Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. All the when all the I was getting into action figures, mm-hmm. and none of the German they were just called German soldiers oh. when you got when you bought the action figures of the Nazis, and of course none of them had swastikas on the side or anything like that, like they do in the so actual. So you drew movie. it on yourself, and yeah, no, <laughs> no, fix this. <laughs> I didn't buy any German soldiers. I just stayed to the. I well, how many figures I bought? Shorty, and I bought Henry Jones Senior and uh, Indiana Jones, and. I uh, got a Molaram. That was a cool one too. But yes, no, no Nazi action figures on my shelf. 
<laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's that. But it was. I think you're right, Kelly. It was a very dramatic episode in this one. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I could see this one if almost like as a concept level, like it could be taken and made into like a Dom Dom Bluth uh, cartoon or something like that. Yeah, um, there there were echoes of Fievel in there too. Yeah, know? Um, of course that takes place much earlier, but. Again, a child separated from uh, a parent and saying, Papa, Papa, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, kind of not knowing how it's all going to turn out. Well, for references, there really, I mean, we obviously we're talking about, you know, World War II and, mm-hmm. and, and references of that. Uh, I guess apparently the, uh, the map itself that it shows is uh, not very historically correct. So don't look at the map and uh, and uh, think that, you know, okay, that's where the Nazis were at this time period and so forth, um, because uh, apparently the, the map is, is a little off. But it still works for, uh, you know, placing you, you know, telling the kids out there where we are in the world yeah. during this movie, during this cartoon, I should say. Um, the biggest uh, other cultural references that could go over some people's heads is uh, Runt, at one point, looks at the, the pile of rocks. Wow. Look at all the rocks, Rita. 147. Yeah, definitely, definitely 147 rocks. Probably the closest direct reference to Rain Man yeah. there is for Runt, other than him saying definitely, definitely all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a scene in Rain Man where uh, they go to a diner and this box of toothpicks hits the floor, and uh, Dustin Hoffman, you know, looks down and says, "Oh, there's 246 toothpicks," mm-hmm. and uh, he can count the amount of toothpicks right away. So, I gotta check. Sorry about the toothpicks. A two, a two, a two. Eighty two. What? How much is this? Toothpicks. It's a lot more than two toothpicks, right? But. 246 total. Change. Ray, how many toothpicks are there? 250. Pretty close. Come on, let's go, Ray. 246. There's four left in the box. You just saw it on the box. Yeah, there, okay. It's a box of 246 toothpicks. No, it's not. That is not what happens in the thing. Then I totally misunderstood the movie. Yes, exactly. No, he's able to look at the floor, (laughs) see how many there are, and count them up immediately. Uh, So anyway, that was the the biggest kind of reference stuff. But um, Nathan, what do you think? What do you think about this uh, particular cartoon? I know I was talking to you before, and you're like, oh, I don't know about this. The animation. Yeah, some of the animation looked a little weird, but um, the songs were fine. I um, mm-hmm. were, I was okay with those. And I'm glad that Rita decided to stick with Runt, even though she could have had a nice home for herself. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I've seen some commentary from people online about this episode. I thought it was some interesting points. Like, It's just kind of weird how Rita has... She's very affectionate to Runt in this one. Mm. Like... It's just like, oh, I love you, pal, and kind of like all this kind of stuff. And she even has hearts coming out of her hands at yeah, one point. Yeah, that was a weird thing. I'm like, that's like, <laughs> what's going on? Even Time Lords can't do that. <laughs> I don't know. what, <laughs> But she does say she should have her head examined. So, Well, maybe she's hallucinating maybe, at that point. Maybe they're not in the 1940s. She's just going crazy. <laughs> they didn't go back in time. Well, and they did have this little dash hound right there. They keep they call him Schnapsy mm-hmm. in this, and he's and what's interesting to me in this is that um, Runt, Schnapsy, 
and Rita herself are all voiced when they start um, making animal noises. It's all voiced by Frank Welker, who. And so it's just interesting when they wow. start fighting each other that it's the same guy on both sides. <laughs> so that had to be cool to be in the in the audio booth. Like, okay, Frank, now make the dog noises fighting. <laughs> okay, now we're going to loop back and do the cat, like Rita fighting. Okay. And, and uh, yeah, so it's just really cool to hear Frank Welker doing his thing. Um, I guess this. some people say that this is the, the exact same dog that will later be in Meet Minerva, mm-hmm. uh, who, who falls in love with Minerva, but... To me, I just I don't know. I don't buy it. I, I think I think it looks like like you can see at the very beginning of the in the in the cartoon theme song uh-huh. when they're saying "Animani, totally insaney." You can see you can see him. He's right next to Minerva. Yeah, and I'm always like, "Who's that dog?" And then finally, but I don't want I don't want Minerva. I don't want some Nazi dog to be falling in love with Minerva or anything like well, that. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, he's just playing a character. He's just acting. Yeah, or it's his great grandfather or something. Yeah. The, my theory is going to be they're related, but they're not the same. Dog. Okay, that could they be... even call him a different name. This, yeah, he's a different name. Yeah, so I think we need to dispel that rumor once and for all online. That is not the same dog. Well, it's the same dog as in the intro, though. So that is yes, that same dog falls in, in love the... with Minerva, but oh. this is not the same dog. Oh, anymore. I was saying that this is the same dog. No. that's in the theme song. No, but not the one that. <laughs> no, 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 no. This dog is only seen in this. He's a Nazi. Okay, and we don't want that dog around. You mean um, <laughs> um so i guess the katrina the very young girl she was voiced by elizabeth moss yeah from which, uh, mad men right yeah it's a very young elizabeth moss so i thought that was cool i never watched mad men have you watched mad men at all kelly uh only bits and pieces yeah but I, uh, I i think elizabeth moss um more recently is going to be in the um uh mini series the handmaid's tale Hmm. Isn't isn't she in that one? I have it's, no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, see. there's a, a it was a movie years and years ago and based on a book and I just saw the trailer like yesterday and I think she's in it. And I'm oh. trying to I'm trying to verify that but my computer's being very slow. <laughs> well, let me check it out real quick here. Elizabeth Moss. It says on IMDb that she was in Mad Men. <laughs> Mad Men <laughs> and Girl Interrupted. Girl Interrupted. Mm-hmm. She's been in tons of things that I have never seen. I've seen Girl Interrupted, and I've seen half of the first season of Mad Men. So I'm Let's see to do this. I don't see The Handmaiden's Tale. Yeah, there it Handmaid's is. Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, it's a Handmaid's Tale. Series. Yeah, The Handmaid's yep. Tale. What is it for again? It's based on a. It's for Hulu. Oh, okay. And it's it's based on a book by Margaret Atwood, and I I think. In the the original movie, I want to say Liam Neeson's um, late wife was the star of the movie. Oh wow! Well, there we go. So that yeah, so she's that's kind of always neat to see. Like, uh, it, gosh, she was born in eighty two, so she was about ten years old at the time, right there, hmm. making this. Uh, that's cute. That's that's always neat when you you see chi- you know child actors uh, who are still doing stuff today and yeah. aren't uh, totally insane, totally oh, insaney. And- <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to mention it's Natasha Richardson who was in the original. I I don't want her to be known as Lee Mason's yes. late wife. That I couldn't come up with her name immediately, but <laughs> you know, but she was an actress in her own right and and very talented. But uh, but that was her name. Yes. Okay. 
So, any other thoughts on? I mean, again, a very dramatic one, not mm-hmm. incredibly funny. Uh, read in runt episode. No, but I, I kind of liked it. I mean, I was talking to Nathan, Nathan was saying, "Oh, I don't know about this," but I watched it and I actually, I kind of felt uh, a bit of tension right there. Uh, you know, not a lot of tension because <laughs> I know like, it's just this Animaniacs cartoon, but. It does have a nice, uh, I think, climax to it all, where they're trying to run onto the train and, you know, grab my hand and all that kind of stuff. And you could easily see it as a movie. Yeah, I mm. could totally with a John Williams soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would make this episode better. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, it, and I think that was one of the things that was kind of holding it back was just that sometimes the character design was just a little bit off, and mm-hmm. it was just the the price you pay, I think, for having to make it a daily cartoon show yeah. where you have to get these episodes out. Out, you know, and there's no time to to waste, and <laughs> you have to get them out. So, mm-hmm. I, I can. Well, I, I think we get spoiled by Disney. We do features because if you ever see the the Disney feature, and then they'll come out with you know daily or weekly cartoon based on the movie, uh-huh. the quality is so much worse. Yes, um, and just because they have to do it so much more cheaply and and quickly. And so you don't get that level of animation, unfortunately. Yeah, the the, the Aladdin cartoon series, mm-hmm. or the, the Little mm-hmm. Mermaid had a series as well and stuff. And I anime. may have watched both of them. Yep. Yeah, I think I saw many <laughs> but, episodes. Yes, more of the Aladdin for yeah. me. But uh, but yeah, the, the even yeah. Hercules had his own spinoff thing. Oh, when he was young, Hercules. Yeah, that's was young right. Hercules, and they they even had a crossover of Aladdin and Hercules. That was a weird one. I miss that one. I, that that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, but I mean, it, you know, hey, it, we we can't be too picky on it again. I but that's why I could I had to look past that and just say, you know, I could see this. I could see this as a read and run movie. Uh, if you know, it seemed like it could be turned into a movie, mm-hmm. and maybe if it was turned into a longer film, then maybe they could fit fit in some more of that humor. But it's hard to say because it's dealing with. Nazi Germany escaping mm-hmm. during World War II. So it has all those elements of Schindler's List and uh, Anne Frank and, and all those things that, you know, make you kind of feel tense for multiple different reasons. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, not even the Animaniacs could quite like they they do a little appearance, but Yeah, they do their <laughs> they do their typical uh, you know, cameo once again in Rita and Runt. Yeah. But even then it's just like, yeah, it doesn't really break the the tension and the it seemed really out of place there. Yeah, and and they were doing their same little choo choo thing from the big candy store, and in, in seems to me almost like they may have just recycled that same animation. Yeah. Like, oh gosh, we got to put the we got to put the Warners in here somewhere. We like, need five more seconds. <laughs> put them in, <laughs> but it made I guess it made sense because they were at the train yard and mm-hmm. and everything like that. But still, it's. It it didn't seem necessary. No. The other ones, it's like, oh, the Warners are there. Bye, Warners. And- Warners, what are you doing? Help. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you see they need help? The Nazis are chasing them. Stop <laughs> fooling around. Um, well, there's only one more uh, small segment on here, and I'm, I think we're going to talk about this one for about a half hour, so strap yeah, yourselves in. This is good. <laughs> um, I have a lot to say about this one. So, <laughs> so the last segment is the great Wackarati. Uh, uh, colon the summer concert. This was written by Tom Ruger and it was directed by Jeffrey Grand Grandi. 
Grand Eye. Yes. Grandis. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the music was adapted by Russell Bauer. Uh, basically, in this, the great Wakarati returns and he belches the oh the dance of the hours mm. uh by uh Poncielli, i believe is how we pronounce that last name yeah uh but it was cute it's wakarati mm-hmm. he's burping <laughs> i tuned out <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think about this one that's all i have to say um i always like when he has to get his little break so he can uh, Doc can come out and help him out, give him some more burps by uh, carbonating <laughs> him up, I guess. But that's that's my favorite part, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, any thoughts of this one? I I like the music; it was catchy, and and I remember when I used to watch this, I I really wish that I could burp like that and and do into a tune. Yes, because mm. I was really impressed. I mean, I know that's completely unladylike, but <laughs> I I thought it would have been cool. Well, I yeah, I think it's uh it's funny that uh you mentioned that because I I seem to remember trying to burp like mm. wacko quite often like if you drink enough soda yeah I, I can do I can do this I mean but yeah it's definitely it I think this one these segments really speak to kids like when mm-hmm. I when I was showing the Animaniacs at my school a while ago and the Great Wakarati came up the kids were laughing they just thought it was hilarious. And partially it's because they kids like to, burping's funny. Mm-hmm. And if you can burp the ABCs, then you, hey, you, you are instantly popular to this day, I believe. Yeah. And then you can imagine like, well, of course, a stadium of people would want to see me burping. So. <laughs> <laughs> One day that will be me. Yeah. <laughs> well, the last thing that we have right here um, is an, one more mime time, which to be honest with you guys, I tuned out. I, I I didn't even see this mime time oh, until really? like the second or third oh, no. time watching this episode. I was like, "Whoa, there's another mime time!" <laughs> because usually, I, usually I see Great Wakarati, and then mm-hmm. I just go, "Oh, that's the last one," and it's going to be credits next. But it goes, "Oh, and here's another mime time." So I was like, "Oh," so I didn't even catch it until last night. I was like, "Whoa, bonus!" <laughs> um, so the mime time in this is climbing an imaginary mountain, and then the mime just gets uh, pummeled. A ton of rocks just mm-hmm. fall down on his head. Uh, and the end. Yep. Um, another, you know, cute mime time. Not much to say about that. But uh, it was nice to see at the very end of this episode, uh, Rita and Runt came out of the tower. Yeah. It's over. It's definitely over. You know, hey, cool. They looked good. They looked like perfect, mm-hmm. uh, you know, character design of Rita and Runt of how they should look all the time. Yeah. Uh, if the budget allowed. <laughs> and it just shows that they came back to the present time <laughs> right? through the water tower. Oh, there you go. <laughs> through that TARDIS. Again, oh my gosh. We're building this. Yeah. This up. That is yet I'm, another theory. Yeah. The listeners are all over this. They're like, what? Turning oh, they're, it up. They're you know? On, I know. Hey, another theory. Another <laughs> piece to the puzzle that the Warners are Time Lords and the, t- and the clock, not the clock tower, the water tower is a TARDIS. It could also be a clock tower because it can turn into anything it wants to be. That's true. Does that mean um, Reed and Rent can be companions since they went back to World War Two? Yep. Yeah, they must be companions. Because mm-hmm. it's, all, it's all fitting into place, folks. <laughs> so look for that in an upcoming episode. <laughs> uh, anyway... Well, guys, I think it's time to get right over to our water tower rating. (laughs) 
<laughs> and Kelly, why, yes. don't we, why don't we start with you? How many water towers would you give this episode out of five? I will give it three. Um, it wasn't a particularly strong episode, but it wasn't bad. Um, I, I I actually liked the 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 movie feel of Rita and Run. I'm you know they're they're not my favorite segment mm-hmm. uh, overall, but but some of them are, are much stronger than others. And I I just I like the uh, I don't know I, I just like the drama of it, and and I thought it was it was sort of a nice departure from their their usual storylines, particularly because as you said, the, the first segment was so repetitive and it, it didn't feel like anything new. The, the, it was funny, but nothing. I'll just say that there wasn't really anything quotable from this episode. You know, there's mm-hmm. certain yeah. episodes that I'll quote all the time, like Wally Lama and um, meatballs or consequences and, you know, just throw them out all the time in everyday conversation just to see who actually pays attention. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> This one didn't have anything that stood out. So it about averaged. So okay. Three. And Nathan, what about you? Yeah, um, I'm going to say two and a half. Okay. Um, for some of the same, like it's, I think it's just slightly below average maybe, but mm-hmm. like, like, uh, yeah, I wouldn't recommend this as like, oh, this is the episode you got to see. It's kind of like, there are ones that I would want above this one. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, the, the animation I thought was a little poor in Read and Runt, but and I just really did not remember the first segment at all, like as a, from childhood. Like, no, yeah, I, I, you know, guys, I gotta go. I went into this episode, Nathan, and I'm saying mm-hmm. I'm gonna give this two stars, two mm-hmm. not two stars, two water towers. Oh, okay, but talking about boosted up to two and a half because <laughs> a whole half. Half a water tower. <laughs> and, and, and because, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily think the first one was the best. It mm-hmm. wasn't bad. Um, it had some decent mime times, but mime times have always been kind of my. Yeah, they're not know, great either necessarily. Yeah. But. And, and read and run while it wasn't funny. I appreciated it. I mean, it was kind of weird because I would honestly think if I was a kid, I would not like it at all. Hmm. Like I would think this was, this might have been one of the ones. As a kid, to see Rita and Runt like this, I would be like, this is boring. Like, why am mm-hmm. I going to watch Rita and Runt? They don't do anything funny. But now as an adult, I can watch it and go, wow, that was kind of like a, it had a, a neat little dramatic story with Rita and Runt and uh, running away from Nazis. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool. And Rita got to show that the schnapsy Nazi dog, like, who was boss, too. Yeah, so. she beat him, like, twice. I yeah, think, two so. times. <laughs> So, two and a half, not bad, but uh, certainly not one of the the best episodes of Animaniacs. So, without any further ado, let's go ahead and listen to our poll results from last week. Hello there, once again. This is your announcer, and I am back after an interesting trip to the uh, Watto Tower Casino. Uh, Turns out I uh, lost a lot of money, but... In order to uh, make my debts uh, clear, I had to participate in a little bit of a pod race. Uh, long story short, I won. Take that, Sabulba. Now then, the results of last week's poll. Listeners were asked, which of these cartoon segments is the best? Hashtag Animaniacs. Hashtag Animaniacast poll. Eight 
5% said Hip Hippos. 17% said Mr. Skullhead. 33% said Minerva Mink. But with 42%, it's Chicken Boo. He's a chicken, I tell ya. A giant chicken. Well, those are the results, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a, a long rest right now. Back to the studio with this week's poll. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Announcer. And, uh, yes. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's him. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway. (laughs) What do you guys think? What is is the best cartoon segment out of those choices? Uh, Nathan, what do you think? Well, I voted for Chicken Boo because he's uh, just a a chicken in disguise. Like, (laughs) he's a chicken, I tell you. Yeah. It's, it's very funny. I, uh, I, without saying anything, he's hilarious. So. <laughs> and Kelly, what about you? I, I like Chicken Boo as well. He's just funny. Yeah. I gotta go three for Chicken Boo. All the hosts here agree. Chicken Boo, out of those choices, is the best. I, I always <laughs> I, I always, I always like looking at Chicken Boo and go, okay, what has he gotten himself into? Even though it's completely repetitive, mm-hmm. It the formula is, I mean... You can't get much more repetitive than Chicken Boo. You know what's going to happen by the end of this one. Yeah. Down to almost the second. <laughs> I think they could have done a spinoff of Chicken Boo if they just did like five oh, segments in an episode. <laughs> I don't know if I tune in for that. but <laughs> Well, guys, um, thank you very much for that. And let's go ahead and get to our poll question for this week. Nathan, What's our, we, have a, we have like a... a it's one or the other for this question. Yeah, I got right? a fifty-fifty choice. Okay, so it's it's a it's a face-off between the Warner siblings. We got between Dot and Wacko. Ooh, which one has the best spin-off cartoon? Um, so we got either the Great Wackarati mm-hmm. or Dot's Poetry Corner. Ooh, they're very both artistic. Chops? So, Which one has better artistic chops, I guess? It just depends if you like to burp or snap more, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so very two two different artistic forms of expression mm-hmm. from these two younger Warner Who siblings. Who does it best? Yes. Which one of these is better? Dot's Poetry Corner or the great Wakarotti? Uh, so go ahead and head on over to twitter.com slash animaniacast or just search on uh, Twitter for Animaniacast poll, hashtag Animaniacast poll, and you should be able to find it and make your voice heard. Well, speaking of making your voice heard, mm-hmm. we are going to hear the voice of one of our listeners. Um, because I went out and I asked for, for people to tell us what they think about Minerva Mink. Um, I went out on Periscope last week um, before we released uh, last week's episode and basically said, hey, we're coming up with this episode about Minerva Mink, and uh, I'm going to say my thoughts on her in it. And I, I got to be honest with you, folks, I don't really like her. So, but what do you guys think about her? <laughs> because I, I didn't want to be, you know, unbiased. And if somebody had thoughts about Minerva that they like to defend, mm-hmm. this, 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 then you'll make character. fun of them on the show. So here no, we go. No, <laughs> not at all. Malik uh, uh, wrote into us. And sent us a voice message. So we're going to go ahead and play Malik's thing. It's it's an awesome message. And here we go. Let me introduce myself, this caller of the week. I am a cartoon gamer, but folks call me Malik. Howdy, guys. Malik calling in. Big fan of the show. And I just wanted to give you my thoughts on Minerva Mink, as you guys are covering one of her two cartoons today. 
Minerva is an interesting character, that's for sure. She's done some things in her cartoons that I never thought I'd see in a show such as Animaniacs, and that's saying something, but I never really had that much of an issue with her personally. I can see why others would, though. She has a very shallow personality and is a bit of a gold digger, but, you know, she could have been a lot worse. If any of you guys remember Julie Bruin from that one episode of Tiny Toons, who actually shares the same VA with Minerva, she could have looked something along the lines of that, which is just as, if not more risque, I'd say. On the whole, Minerva to me was never that big a deal because, of course, she was never that big a character to begin with. Though it's pretty crazy to see just how far some of the jokes with her would go. But yeah, Minerva Mink. Don't really have an issue with her, but it's pretty evident why others might. But anyways, that's all I wanted to say. You guys keep up the great work with the podcast, and, uh, who knows? I may call in again someday. If that's alright with you guys, of course. See ya! Bye, Malik. Bye, Malik. And yes, <laughs> and yes, absolutely, Malik. Please, uh, you know, feel free anytime. Send in uh, your thoughts on an episode, and that goes for anybody else as well. Uh, feel free to send in your thoughts, and uh, you just might hear it on our show. Um, so, guys, yeah, do, do, Kelly, do you remember Julie Bruin at all from uh, Tiny Tunes? I I probably should, but I. I don't. Okay, let me give you a, a, a hint right here. This is uh, she's in the uh, episode where they're they're doing um, uh, Montana Max did money. That's what I want in it, mm. and uh, I think it was the I think it was the tiny to- uh, not the tiny tunes that they might be giants one actually. Oh, um, oh, we'll see. That's why I meant like I should remember it because <laughs> that was an iconic episode. Yeah, yeah. I, think... I didn't realize they might be giants was a real band, <laughs> and I thought they were made up for the show. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Julie puts on a music video uh, starring Montana Max uh, singing "Money." That's what I want. She later makes a non-speaking appearance in the same music video on Monty's cruise ship. Where she, where he tosses her into the ocean, he throws a lifesaver for a slight lifesaver for her to float on, but she gets hit on the head with it instead. Yeah, Julie Bruin, yeah, voiced by Julie Brown, mm. uh, playing kind of Julie Brown, you know, not only voiced Minerva and everything, but she played kind of a caricature of herself in in real life uh, mm-hmm. uh, as an actress. Usually playing kind of a ditzy, stuck up blonde. Because I'm a blonde is an example of that. But she wasn't a blonde; she was brunette. But (laughs) she still kind of played this kind of girl that was like that. So I I do remember Julie Bruin. I showed a picture of Julie Bruin to Nathan, Mm, and and Malik is right. If uh, Julie Bruin is is much more, uh, uh, well, gosh, what could we say? Yeah, voluptuous. Voluptuous. That's for sure. I think. I think if you. If you don't have a problem with Julie Bruin, then you shouldn't have a problem with Minerva Mink. That is very <laughs> true. Um, both of them, though, I think, you know, one of the reasons I think they got away with Minerva and Julie Bruin, though, is because they make very limited appearances on mm. both shows. Um, if they were real regular regulars, then, yeah, we might see a I mean, bit of a problem. But you do see Minerva Mink every episode. That's true. Minerva <laughs> is in every episode. And she does get paid. Every time. She is talking about that pair play contract. That's true. (laughs) Well, without any further ado, guys, I think it's time to get to our contact information. So, Kelly, where can people get in contact with you? I'm at Twitter, and I've actually been tweeting some lately. Yoda Princess. And um, also email Kelly at BigShinyRobot.com. Very cool. Nathan, what about you? Oh, Joey, I'm on Twitter. Uh Uh-huh. Django FT. 
That's me. And what about your Nathan Sleeps or what's that? Yeah, it's, it's in Sleep Talks if you want to see the kind of things I say when I'm asleep. Yes. Um, and I'll, I'll use them as catchphrases if I, uh, if I, I need true. to. And if you want to send in your own catchphrase for Nathan to say. Hashtag Animani catchphrase. Wow, there's so many different things. <laughs> And, of course, uh, to get in contact with us at the Animaniacast, you can all go ahead and there's multiple different ways to do it. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And, of course, we're over at RetroZap.com. You can send us an email, which is Animaniacast at RetroZap.com. And you can head on over to the RetroZap.com to see a ton of fantastic articles and other fantastic podcasts as well. Uh, and if you really like them, then you know what you can do? You can sign up, you can subscribe on iTunes or whatever to the RetroZap feed, and that way you can get every single RetroZap podcast delivered right to your device. Even us? Even us. Ooh. You can do, so I would, what I do is I, subs- <laughs> this is what you should do, listeners, subscribe to us, oh, okay. and subscribe to the RetroZap feed too, so that way you, you get to double your... You get to your, hear us twice. You get to hear us twice, which is just so much fun. Yeah. Anyway. We're, we're so much better the second time around. I, to us. I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> anyway, so with that, uh, for Nathan and Kelly, this is Joey saying goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds of the Animaniacs characters or any other Animaniacs-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Warner Brothers, Amblin Entertainment, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacs unless otherwise indicated. I think I could really get to like opera.